Welcome to Impact, a podcast ministry of St. Andrew Lutheran Church in Middleton, Wisconsin. Impact features interviews with gifted Bible teachers that will help you better understand Scripture so it will have a greater impact on your life. The host of Impact is Mark Jenstead, the Staff Minister for Nurture at St. Andrew. Hi, everyone. It's great to have you here today. Some of you are maybe listening for the first time, and I'd like to welcome you to this podcast ministry. And others are back for more. I appreciate your faithful listening. And all of you can take part in this podcast ministry in two simple ways. One, you can pray for our ministry, that it reaches more people, and that uh, God's people are blessed through the study of His Word. And you can tell someone you know about this podcast. Let them know how they can find it. And all the episodes are available, and uh, anyone really can, can dig into this treasure of Bible study that we call impact. And uh, what we like to say is the greater we understand Scripture, the greater impact it has on our lives. My guest today is Dr. Phil Hebner. I'm at Wisconsin Lutheran High School in Milwaukee. I'd like to welcome Dr. Hebner to Impact. Thank you. Glad to be with you today. Great to have you here, and we're going to talk with uh, Dr. Hebner about 1 Corinthians chapter 13 today. Let's begin with prayer. Dear God, you know us so well, and amazingly, your love for us never fails. Thank you for your unconditional, unmatched, and unending love. Help us know your love more every day, and help us love others as you tell us. Amen. So, Dr. Hebner at Wisconsin Lutheran High School, First question, how long have you done ministry here? So this is my sixth school year that uh, I'm wrapping up at the moment. Um, before that, I served for nine years as a mission pastor in Palm Coast, Florida. So what's better, Florida or Wisconsin? <laughs> well, each one has... Grow, yeah, where'd you grow up? Um, grew up here. Okay. So each one has its advantages. Uh, here, there's family and things I'm familiar with and... Things I enjoy, like the sports of the town and the other fun things in the city. Every now and then, winter is okay. <laughs> yeah. That one day. Uh, so, you know, just different. Um, in Florida, being a mission pastor, you know, we had to make new friends, which is always a blessing, but you're just not surrounded by the normal crowd of people that you know. So that's challenging. Being away from families challenging. Uh, beaches made it a lot better, <laughs> and the warm weather. So each place has its advantages, and uh, we've always loved where we're at when we're there. Okay. Help us find Palm Coast on a map. So we like to say this is on the better coast, which would be the Atlantic Ocean coast. And uh, our house was about three miles from the ocean. It's sad for me to say that out loud. Uh, it was a really wonderful setting, and that's, uh, again, Atlantic side, just about 25 minutes north of Daytona Beach and 25 minutes south of St. Augustine. Very good. And so you've you said you've been here six years. Right. Have you been back there since you left? Visited one time about three years ago with the family. It was great to see lots of people that we love. Um, I guess we love traveling, so we don't like to go to the same place too often, but uh, it's always a place near and dear to our hearts. Very good. 
Let's talk with uh, Dr. Hebner about 1 Corinthians chapter 13. By the way, the kids here at Wisco, what do they call you in the classroom? <laughs> I think they call me a lot of things, <laughs> but um, I'm not sure all of them are repeatable. Um, usually pastor, I guess. Um, there is a nice viral meme going around that someone paid $2 to Photoshop my picture and take away my hair and add a mustache so that I could be Dr. Phil, like the other Dr. Phil. Uh, so, you know, I don't care about those things so much because they're just kids. So um, I guess some of the really fancy pants kids call me Dr. Hebner, but most call me just Pastor. Okay, so either way, you're Dr. Hebner or Pastor Hebner. Hey, you works as well. Okay, yeah. very good. <laughs> Well, Pastor Hebner, uh, we're talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You teach this in the classroom here at Wisco? Uh, Yeah, that's right. Uh, Among two classes I teach is a a senior elective called Friendship to Marriage uh, that my wife and I actually teach together. And um, most, maybe 90% of the seniors end up having that class. And uh, as we walk through that, it is what... it says we walk through relationships from friendship to dating to marriage, understanding what real love is, etc. So obviously a big chunk of that is God's love. And we do read 1 Corinthians 13 and talk about that in the context of what is actual love. Okay. And what else do you teach here at Wisco and then other duties? Um, so another class I teach we call Proclaiming Christianity. That's sophomore religion. It goes through the, the book of Acts. And then some of the letters Paul writes. So Acts and the Epistles, I guess you could say. I really only teach uh, three periods, though, out of eight in a given day um, because I do a lot of other things. So I help plan our daily worship uh, for our chapels every day. I run our mission trip program, which has become uh, rather large right now. So we send lots of kids all over the world on mission trips. And um, I probably spend the most amount of my time counseling pastorally with students Uh, in my office. And this is one of those times of year where um, the breaks are going behind us and the end is near and prom is nearer and stress is high. So there's quite a few people that pass through with lots of tears. So I'm glad to love them and just share what God says with them uh, in my office here too. So there's something you can do, folks. Uh, Keep Dr. Hebner in your prayers tonight. Say a prayer for him and his ministry here at Wisconsin Lutheran High School. 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter of love, well-known chapter. Uh, I grew up in the 80s. You don't know where I'm going with this, do you? What is love, baby? Don't hurt me? Is well, that close. Oh, okay. Uh, I grew up in the <laughs> 80s and Michael J. Fox, Back to the Future, The oh, Power yeah. of Love. Oh, yeah. So there that's you the go. first question, The Power of Love. Uh, that's a real thing, isn't it? Uh, what do you say about The Power of Love? Uh, well, there's a lot you can say about that. And I think there's two perspectives there's God's perspective and the world's perspective. Yeah, I mean, you can go through all the shows on Netflix, Hulu, you know, all the movies, the Disney. Shakespeare, poems, books, and all the more, someone has got something to say about love. And it's such a powerful thing. You know, there's emotion behind it. There's life impact. There's relationships involved. You know, and that's what drives all all this writing and the movies and, you know, all that kind of thing. So it's powerful because everyone wants to be loved, naturally. You want to be loved. And I think all of us crave someone to love. You know, so that's one side of it. But on the other side is understanding what is true love, you know. And so my mind goes right away to one of those simple memory verses, God is love, you know, in 1 John chapter 4. In fact, it says it twice there. Uh, So when I think about the power of love, I guess I, I think first of who God is and what God has done. 
so if God is love and I think about who he is and his attributes and what he's done toward us as people, then I start to really understand what love is and the powerful impact that it has on my life and the lives of others. Looking at the text here, folks, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So if you're able to have your Bible open, terrific. Otherwise, uh, please take time to read this uh, chapter at some point. Uh, I want to read verse 1 and get Pastor Hebner's thoughts. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. So what's Paul getting at in this opening verse? Um. Well, there's a lot of debate and question about what exactly is like the tongue or the language of angels. I'm not sure we can actually answer that with, you know, specific certainty, whether angels have their own, you know, angel talk, you know, like German and Greek and English and angel talk, Anglese or whatever. Um, Or it's just a different level of communication, you know, or the fact that they can communicate with each other or with God, you know, who really knows. Um, But I think it's hard to separate verse 1 from the rest of that little paragraph. And and so it goes on to talk about like um, having the ability to um, interpret prophecies or the mysteries of God and having all this knowledge and all that kind of stuff. It really goes together. Um, so I think the point he's getting at here is I might have all of these gifts, but if love does not accompany it, then it's really worthless. So for example, first one, uh, verse one, I might know all this like worldly languages or the angel language, whatever that is. But if I don't have love, then it's just a noise. It's a random nothing. It doesn't have any impact like a gong clanging in my ears. Or if I have all this knowledge and can understand the prophecies of God, and you can be specific, even like the prophecies of God in the Bible. Um, But if I don't have love, then how does that really benefit or help someone? Or if I have even a great faith that can, as he says, move mountains, and I trust in God so much, but if I'm a jerk to my neighbor, right? God says, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Um, Then again, it really makes no difference. It doesn't benefit. It's not loving. Uh, So when I talk about this with students, with my wife in class, we usually read these verses and then kind of without telling them, we kind of keep going. You know, so if I can speak in the tongues of men or angels, if I have the gift of prophecy, if I'm number one in my class, if I'm a division one athlete, um, if I, you can extend this to adults too, right? If I know everything there is to know about presidential elections, if I know all there is to know about every scientific fact and detail about worldwide pandemics, um, if I can prove anyone wrong with any point on the news and then blow them up on social media, you, you know, pick a thing. If I'm the richest person on the block, none of that matters if I don't have love with it. Because God is love, and as followers of God, as Christians, we are to be loving too. And so that's kind of what he's going for in uh, the paragraph, is to have love in all that you do. Okay. I think I know the answer to this question. Uh, if I if I don't have love, is Paul talking about love for God, or if I don't have love for others, or what I think? Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, both. I would say probably both, but a lot of this is very neighbor related, you know. So um, I can be isolated in my own uh, office here by myself and have all this wisdom, you know. Do I maybe have a selfish, conceited, proud side where I'm not showing love to God? Maybe. 
but he's probably talking more about not sharing that wisdom with others or acting proud and arrogant toward others. Um, or if I have this ability to speak in tongues, like who cares if I'm just in my house with all this like angel speak ability or whatever he's talking about. Um, but it has to do with how I treat other people with or use that gift to benefit other people. You know, so I think this bleeds over to a, a big topic of like our vocation. You know, what is our lot and our station in life as we flourish as God's people here in this world? How do we treat them? And so we're going to see in the next paragraph, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy. Of course, we see that in how God treats us. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a second. But all those things are really talking about how we treat other people. Um, so this whole um, chapter really has to do with how we treat other Christians. And I'll, I'll probably get on a tangent here for a second, but Please. I think I think most of us uh, Christians, if we've been to a wedding before, a Christian wedding, we've probably heard these verses. In fact, as a pastor who's done weddings, I probably have read them at like 90% of the weddings I've done. Nothing wrong with that. Great passages for a married couple to think about and how to treat each other. But this isn't specifically talking about husband and wife. This is actually just talking about all Christians. So I guess circling back to your original question, most of what this has to do with is how we treat each other in a loving way. And I guess when you do that, you show love to God too. The last phrase of this opening paragraph, we'll call it, uh, the end of verse 3 says, If I have not love, I gain nothing. However, uh, won't the world be impressed with with all these these things, yeah. So going back to like the original word there, uh, the word has to do with like having a profit or a benefit. Um, so like, what's the good or what's the benefit? And some of the words in these uh, verses here and in the ones coming up sort of have a, a coloring of like being puffed up and proud. And so if I am kind of conceited and arrogant and do things only for myself, like what benefit is that? really? And how many people can we um, look at in this world that have maybe puffed themselves up and have millions of Instagram followers or uh, all kinds of like celebrity status or fame from a worldly perspective because they have been so successful in a worldly point of view and again, built themselves built themselves up. But what does that really benefit? Who has that actually helped? Um, how has that served God and how has that served my neighbor. And so I may do all these things, but really there's no benefit. We might think of any kind of fable or story or movie of some person who did all this stuff, you know, but then later in life they realize looking back, it's been nothing and a waste of time and a waste of life. That I think that's kind of what he's getting at with that verse. Okay. Uh, a lot of good stuff here in verses four through seven. Uh, let's start with verse four. Love is patient Love is kind. Boy, there's a lot there. Love is patient. Someone once said about the attributes of God. I read this uh, from a Bible commentator. Perhaps the only attribute of God that exceeds his love is his patience. And so we started here by saying that God is love. Mm -hmm. and, and wrapped up in God's love is his patience for sinful people. How does this apply to us when Paul is saying... If we have love for others, part of that is patience. Yeah, I, I maybe somewhere we should start here in a foundational kind of way, as since we're talking about love, you know, and what is love is just to define it a little better. And um, when I talk about love with students or other people, sometimes we go a little bit to the original language uh, of Greek, 
uh, where they're more clear on it. And then also something that C.S. Lewis spent a lot of time talking about, which uh, some call the four loves. So again, on a little bit of tangent here, but I think it helps us to understand. So here's what I mean by this. Um, English ruins a lot of words, and in particular, the word love is just trampled on. Um, I might say I love my wife, I love my children, I love my job, um, I love the Milwaukee Brewers and Bucks, I love Big Macs, I love Coca-Cola, sorry, Pepsi people. Um, you know, but obviously I don't love any of those people the same way. I, even people that you know, you're supposed to love, that are great to love, like your family, your siblings. I don't love my sister the same way I love my wife. Um, and so in the Greek language, they actually had words that helped like distinguish this, you know, a word for like friendship type of love, philia, and a word for family type of love, uh, storge, and a word for passion, feeling, emotion, eros type of a love, sometimes a me first love, but then there's agape love. And I think a lot of Christians have probably heard that word agape. Agape love is always a you first love. It's a selfless kind of a love, self-sacrificing love. Um, it's a love without regard for who a person is or what they've done. So in our relationships, we can have a lot of these kinds of loves, you know, always with agape as the foundation. In a marriage, you should have all of those. Agape should be the foundation. Um, but every single time in the New Testament, the word love is used, the original word is agape. I'm talking about God. Um, and so when it says God is love, or here, this chapter, it's all the word agape, selfless, you first, self-sacrificing. Okay, so circling back now, when I think about God's patience, it's because I have been just a bonehead so often, just an awful sinner who has rebelled against God and broken his law and commands so many times, like the children of Israel, but probably like 10 times more. <laughs> And God still forgives me and still um, gives me his son, Jesus, to wash me clean and still welcomes me to heaven someday, gives me that hope to be there. That patience is rooted in this agape love, this unending without regard for who I am or what I've done. So that love, I think, is what generates this patience. Um, the idea of patience is like being long-suffering or enduring kind of a thing. Uh, so that love of God without regard for who we are, you know, like selfless, is what really leads him to be so patient with us. And th thank God for that. Love is kind. Can I get your reaction to this quote? Someone said, the evil world we live in gives us unlimited opportunities to be kind. Well, ain't that the truth? <laughs> um, you know, with... Events that have gone on during pandemic times, and I understand that this um, is a recording that can be listened to all kinds of different times for now and for years to come. Um, but in times of pandemic and unrest, and there was, uh, well, there seems to always be election shenanigans where people are angry at each other, but it all kind of piled up um, in the times of this recording. Um, there's a professor over at Wisconsin Lutheran College, Dr. Wade Johnston, who's a pastor too, I heard him say on a podcast, if there's ever a time for Christians, it's now. This is our time. And I think he was talking about what you're saying. Um, there's so many things in this world that are sad and sorrowful and evil and bad that for us to show kindness and love to others, I mean, what an opportunity for us. Uh, the word kindness in the original is kind of related to the word for grace. Uh, 
So there's, again, sort of like this undeserved generosity behind the word kindness, rooted in love. So I am doing a good job of being long and answering your questions. Um, but the point is, yes, so, so many opportunities for us to be kind to other people and how we show love to them. Very familiar verse, um, love keeps no record of wrongs. Can you elaborate on that one? That's tough, especially when you grow in time in your relationship with other people, you know, like the longer you are uh, with a person. So I'll give you an example from the class that we teach. Um, we ask the students of all this, these verses that describe love, which do you think is the hardest to do? And so they have all kinds of uh, different answers about, well, this one's tough for me or that one's tough for me. And then, but then we ask the question, what do you think is going to be hardest to do when you're married someday? And a majority of them actually change their answer from, you know, whatever, being patient uh, to this one, keeping a record of wrong. Because I think they naturally recognize that if you're married to someone for a year, two years, five years, 25 years, you could have a big record. <laughs> There's a lot of backstory of all the things that you've done to hurt your boyfriend, your girlfriend, later on your spouse. And so to be loving in the sense of forgiving and being like God, wiping it clean, is, is so difficult. Uh, we live in a world filled with revenge and I'll get mine and I'll, you'll get what you deserve and all that kind of a thing. Uh, to be someone who is like God and drowns sin in the depths of the sea is so, so difficult. But that's what we're really, really talking about, right? God wipes the slate clean. Uh, to, to do the same as a Christian is so hard. And if I can take a time out and just another little tangent um, because I know this thought crosses people people's minds. That doesn't mean we have to be foolish. You know, I think we use the phrase a lot, forgive and forget. You know, um, those are maybe two different things. You know, so if I forgive someone who has really hurt me, or I know I've had church members who their children were hurt by people in a bad way, um, and just the thought of forgiving really <laughs> troubles them. How can I ever forgive someone who did this to my kid? Um, to forgive like Jesus, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, doesn't mean you have to for, like, forget it from the back of your mind forever or be foolish and set yourself or your children up for trouble in the future, you know? Um, so if you have a work person, a coworker, who is always giving you trouble and just being a jerk, being unchristian, being mean, you can forgive that person, but you can also work in a different, you know, give them space. You can... Um, find times to not be around them and put yourself in temptation's way, right? So keeping no record of wrong doesn't mean you have to forget what people have done, but it does mean that we're forgiving like Christ on the cross, which, again, has no bounds to it. So we are defining what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind, or I should say Paul is defining. He also says what love does not do. It does not keep a record of wrong. Here's something what Paul says love does do. It it perseveres. How does love persevere, or what what is persevered by love? Um, well, it's just the simple understanding of the word. Love gets through it, um, and this is where agape love is so so important. And uh, the irony of this is, we were just talking about agape love and this concept of four loves today in the class that I taught with my wife, like just a matter of an hour ago. Uh, so it's ironic how that worked out. But we kind of chart out and graph out and do everything we can to help students understand if your love 
is shallow and based on feelings or emotions, it's never going to work. And so in our context, we think a lot about high school relationships, and I think of like the puppy love freshman thing, and they just you, you inevitably break up because it's all based on your feelings and like, oh, it's the, you're the best person ever. And then the first problem happens and then they break up. Um, and so we tried to help the students understand today that, you know, when you're married, if you have a relationship based on love, or, or it could be a Christian friendship, right, based on agape love, you're going to have problems because we're sinners and we're living in a, in a sinful world. But you'll get through it. You'll persevere because you have a selfless love that's not just about me and what I like and what I want. Um, maybe think about Jesus and his disciples. I mean, how many times did they let him down? And yet his relationship with them persevered because of his agape, selfless, self-sacrificing, forgiving love. And so we can get through things um, and persevere with that kind of agape love as our foundation. Very nice. Uh, do you know Pastor Aaron Dolan? I do. He's a good friend and a classmate of mine. So he's been a guest on Impact. Uh-huh. And um, about two months before we talked about David and Goliath, we agreed to talk about David and Goliath. Yeah. So I showed up at Fox Valley Lutheran High School, and guess what he taught in the classroom that very day? David and Goliath. And it was two months prior when we set up the interview. Yeah. And he, he said he didn't plan it out. It just happened that way. It's amazing how God does that yeah, sometimes. Isn't it? Yeah. What a cool thing. Um, but lots of, I mean, just lots of amazing things to talk about in this um, love. It could be any day that you talk about love, to be fair. But uh, yeah, it is neat how it worked out. I want to jump ahead to verses 9 through 12. They seem to be saying the same thing. What is it that we do not know now that we will know in heaven? Yeah. Um, and if I can, answering this, I'm going to just circle back real quick for a thought and a question that I've heard from a lot of um, church members and students and people in general, but I think it connects, so I promise I'll get there. But that's that verse we just talked about, verse 7 into 8, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and then that, that famous verse, love never fails. And this is when I have people say, well, what do you mean, Pastor? Look at my marriage. Look at my parents' marriage. Look at this dating relationship. Like I see failure all around. Um, and the answer to that is, it's not love that fails, it's the people that fail. You know, we are the, the sinners that fail each other. And so, you know, a good understanding is love never fails means love never fails to be the right choice. Love never fails to be what God wants. Love never fails to be something that's going to help a situation. Now, maybe they won't love you back, but, but love is, you know, the opposite of hate or like revenge. That's always going to make it worse. So... Love always protecting, always trusting, always hoping doesn't mean that we're going to be like Jesus, um, but it means that those are always the right things to do. That's how love carries and wins the day, and that's why love never fails. And so transitioning into what you asked about there in verse 9, what we know in part is love for this very reason, because we fail. You know, so right now we see just a little bit of a shadow. So my relationship with my wife and I, I love her so dearly, and I won the jackpot on that one. Um, it's just a little taste, just a little shadow uh, of what's to come. And how I love my children and how they love me. And like, what a cool thing to be loved by my family. Or how I love my, the students and how, well, at least I hope one or two students love me. Just to feel that love is so cool. But it's imperfect. 
because we're sinners. And sadly, people fail me and I fail them. And so kind of like as the verses progress here, um, you know, when you're a child, you only know so much, you can only do so much, but then you mature. And Paul says, when I became a man, I talked like a man, thought like a man. You know, you grow up into things. And yes, we grow in love. We grow in our understanding of love as Christians. Um, God willing, we grow in how we love each other, our spouses, our families, our Christian brothers and sisters, etc. And yet, it's still just only a part. It's just a taste. And so this is where we get to verse 12 then to finish the thought. Now we see just a reflection, but then we're going to see face to face. And so I think this is a good circle back. If God is love, all these things are just a taste to the great marriage feast of the Lamb, the great wedding when the bridegroom Christ will come back or he calls us home. And we, the bride of Christ, are there and we get to see love embodied God, Jesus in human flesh, face to face. And then the light bulb will go on and it'll be like, oh man, God, those blessings on earth were so cool. Thank you for my marriage, my family, my friends, brothers and sisters. But I know now that it's just, it, it was just a taste of what I have with you, right? Love forever with him, which is really cool. And the familiar closing to this chapter, and now these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Why does Paul single out love as the greatest Christian virtue? Yeah, thanks for asking that. I was hoping we could talk about it because I really love this verse. And uh, it's all over Christian artwork. You know, people have little posters and think decorations in their house, which is cool. Uh, but I'm sure not everyone really gets the full understanding of it. So I, I guess we can express it this way. Uh, you know, to put your faith or trust in someone, in God, do you need to have faith in God, you know, put your trust in him when you're in heaven and face to face with him? Right. I mean, not really, because I'll be there. Like I I have faith that certain places in the world exist and then I go visit them and I know it's real. Um, so in heaven, we won't really need faith because we'll have God face to face in that close personal relationship. Same thing with hope. Right now I have the hope of heaven, um, but my son does not hope for um a PS5 for Christmas because he got one already, right? You hope for something you don't have. And so we won't need hope anymore when we're in heaven either because we have the object of our hope. So why is love the greatest of these? Faith and hope go away when we're in heaven because we have, you know, like what we're looking forward to or what we're trusting in. But love is the one thing that will remain forever and ever because again, God is love. And we will experience that loving relationship with each other um, and with God forever and ever and ever. And so love is the greatest because it's the one thing that you can enjoy with no end. How about an application question directly? I, you've already answered this uh, many times over, I would say indirectly. Here's a direct question. When I am struggling to love my spouse or I'm struggling to love a family member, I'm struggling to love a colleague, I'm struggling to love a friend or a neighbor. Pastor, what should I do? Run to the cross would be the first thing I would say. Maybe the best thing. So we run to the cross because that's where we lay our sins at Jesus' feet. Um, you know, when we struggle to love people, sometimes it's because they've sinned against us. But oftentimes it's our own sinful nature that gets in the way. Selfishness, pride is often at the root of it. 
arrogance, any number of things. So first I run to the cross, and if I'm sinning, I lay that at Jesus' feet, and I know it's washed away and washed clean. And then second of all, knowing that I have a clean slate and forgiveness in his agape, selfless, self-sacrificing love at the cross, that's where I'm also going to find strength. Um, strength that will fill me and then spill over from me to other people. So when I struggle to love, what can I do? Run to Jesus, not just as an example, you know, because who can ever match Jesus, right? But as my motivation, um, you know, as, as the gospel that fills me, the good news that fills me over so much to spilling, like, like um, well, some people use a rain gutter as an illustration, right? It fills up and then it shoots out or like a pitcher um, of love filling up a cup of water and then the overflows, same kind of thing run to the cross, and the more I fill myself with God's love, with God's love in Jesus, the more that's going to give me strength to spill over to other people. And give give our listeners a real practical, tangible way of how to run to the cross. What does that look like? Well, it can be a lot of different ways, but finally, how does how does God come to us? So maybe I'll flip that backwards. If God is love, I want to be connected to that. So how do I get connected to God? Well, the, the way that God connects to me is through his word and through his sacraments. And I can get the word personally at home, and I can get the word publicly in church along with the sacraments. So to put my nose in the book and my rear in the pew is going to do a lot of good because that's when God comes to me with his love. The God who is love comes with his love in the word and sacraments. So real tangible to be in worship and to be in the word, to be fed by the sacraments and to you know reflect on my baptism. Um, that's how God fills my heart. He comes to me. He works in me through the power of his spirit. Um, and we remember the Bible verse, you know, the fruits of the spirit. What's the first one? Love joy, peace, patience, etc. So when I'm around these things, these means of grace that the Spirit uses, that's when we're going to see more fruits um, like love. Very good. Uh, Pastor, Dr. Hebner, if, if we were going to continue this conversation for another 30 minutes, and, and I said, but let's, let's find a different chapter, a different section in the Bible to talk about, what off the top of your head, what would you, what might you choose? I would point people right away to First John, and you can read the whole letter of First John. I think there's five chapters, if I remember. Um, you can read that in 20 minutes, probably. They're short chapters, and uh, the Apostle John is often known as the Apostle of Love. And First uh, John is really filled with love. If you want to hone in on chapters three and four. That's where we hear those verses about God is love. But, um, you know, th this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. You know, verses like that, which point us back to Christ and his cross. So First John would be my first choice. That sounds great. You heard it here, folks, from Pastor Hebner. Uh, he's going to be back on Impact down the road, and we will talk about First John chapters 3 and 4. Deal? Sounds good. All right. Thank you for being here today. And folks, I'll leave you with these words from the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 5 about God's love. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you for listening to Impact, a podcast ministry of St. Andrew Lutheran Church in Middleton, Wisconsin. 
Our email address is impact at st-andrew-online.org. Please tell your friends and family about Impact and pray for this ministry. Impact is new every Monday, and all past episodes are available. The better you understand Scripture, the greater impact it will have on your life.